Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Nobody can blame the weather this week. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So we, we, we were diligent in our prayers of pushing the weather back, so we're good this week. Amen. Listen, I want to uh, just take a moment. As you know, we are just sharing uh, really our vision with you, uh, our hopes and our dreams about what, what, what we believe the Lord has called us to do, um, why he's called us to do it, uh, and, and why we want to partner with you to do what it is that he's called us to do. Um, this is our third week, uh, and last week, if you remember, uh, I started talking to you about not despising repetitive teaching. Um, and that's so important, and I want you to hear me. You know, so many times people go to church, and, and people say things like, you know, man, the preacher preached the same message over and over and over, and, you know, I've heard this before, I've read this scripture before. But how many of you know that, that, that the Word of God is alive? And that, and that really, if you tune into it, every time you hear it, it'll speak to you based on where you are in life at that particular time. I don't know about you, but I've read the same scriptures over and over and over, and every time they have a different meaning to me because of what I'm going through in my life. Because the Word of God is not static. Um, it is ever living, and it's always able to, to, to speak to us where we are. And so I'm, I'm going to encourage you again not to despise repetitive teaching. Um, you know, one of the things that we're talking about in the month of January is what our vision is. And how many know that when you begin to share vision, uh, or if you join a new organization or a new company, you can hear the vision statement, you can hear the mission statement, you can even be involved in the organization for a little while, but that it takes time to really learn what that vision is. You have to become a part of that vision. It has to get into you, and you have to hear it over and over. And so today may seem a little bit like a repeat from last week to some degree because I'm going to go back and I'm going to start where we were last week, uh, and then we'll get to our second core value before we end today. And so we've been, we've been hanging our hat on these three scriptures. One of them is John 10 and 10. Uh, if you have it from last week, then you know what it says. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief cometh but to steal, to kill, and destroy. It says, but I have come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Uh, the Amplified Version says, I come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full till it does what? Overflow. In other words, we want to set the foundation here. We want to go back and we talked about in the Old Testament how when anything bad happened, they assumed it was God. But when anything good happened, they assumed it was God. But we have revelation that we know God doesn't do bad things. Amen. And if you don't have that revelation, I'm going to keep saying it so you understand. If there's something bad going on in your life right now, God didn't do that. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. God, God does not, does not have, to have to use bad to get you to do right. To to do right. He just didn't. You know, God ain't got this bulldog on a leash, and every time you mess up, he's trying to sick the bulldog on you. That's not, what, that's not who God is. You have an adversary in this world. He is the devil. His job, the Bible says, is to kill, steal, and what? Destroy. So if it's bad, it's the devil. If it's good, it's God. If you don't work from that foundational principle, you never know when to trust God. If you don't work from the foundational principle that God is good, the devil is bad. If bad is going on, it has to be the devil. If good is going on, it has to be God. If you don't work from there, you stay in a place of perpetual confusion. It's like this. We say that God is a healer. How many of you believe that God's a healer? Well, in case you don't know, he is. The Bible says that he is Jehovah Rapha. 
He is the Lord God who heals. So if he is the Lord God who heals, then how can God be responsible for sickness? Because watch this. If God is responsible for sickness, then why do I ask him to heal me? Because it wouldn't make sense. God would have to be sadistic in order to give me sickness so that I would pray for him to be healed. And then we don't know whether he's going to heal me or not. That's not the kind of God we serve. So if sickness is, 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 is in our bodies, it's not because God put it there. Okay? If people are struggling from cancer and diabetes and those other things, those are illnesses that are in the world, but they didn't come from God. You, 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 you got to change your mindset on that. It didn't come from God. Well, my aunt loved God, and she died of cancer. It, God didn't take your aunt. That's not what happened. She died from a disease that is here in the world because of sin. And you got to understand that. Why is that important? Because everything we do in this church, we do it from the standpoint that God is good. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, God is good. God is good. All, the time, all the time. And all the time, all the time. God is good. And we work from that principle. And so you need to understand. So if you ever come and you talk to us and you say, well, I made a mistake. And so a God made me lose my job. We're going to stop you because God ain't in, the, in, in business making people unemployed. Because if God made you lose your job, why would he give you another one? It, it just doesn't make sense. And so we want you to make sure that when, that, that from, that when, we, when you hear us teach, we are teaching from the standpoint that God is good. Amen. Then our second scripture was Daniel 11.32. In Daniel 11.32, it says this. It says, they that know their God, that they shall do great, what? Exploits. In other words, it says, once you get the understanding and the revelation that God is good and God loves you, nothing can stop you from doing good. Nothing can stop you from doing whatever it is that you set your mind to because the Bible says that they who know their God, in other words, those who become intimately acquainted with God and his ways and his thinking, it says that those individuals shall do great exploits. In other words, there will be things that you will do that people in your family, people who are your friends, people on your job, they thought you'd never be able to accomplish certain things. But God says that when you know him, because he already knows you, and when you can operate from the standpoint that God is good, the devil is bad, he says nothing can stop you from doing anything. Amen? And so then we went to Colossians chapter 1, and this is our third scripture that we use in our foundational teaching. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, and I'm going to read it. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I told you earlier that uh, for the last two weeks, it is not my desire, nor is it my wife's desire to be your personal Holy Ghost. That is not our job. Our job is not to be individuals who tell you everything right and everything wrong. Our job is to pray for you and to believe that when we teach and when you study, that you will come into the will and knowledge of God. And those things that God wants you to do, he'll speak to you and you'll hear it. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. this is... The key, the key to Christian, to Christian development. development. You have to be committed to development. If you saw the poster that we put out about the vision, one of the things it said was big personal growth. It said big community impact, big evangelism, and big giving. Those things don't happen with children. 
Those things don't have. You can't be a person who decides to come to church, but the only thing you're ever willing to learn is what you hear across the pulpit. Now, that, that, that may seem strange to you because you're like, wait, he's a pastor. He shouldn't be saying that. People in the pew are responsible for their personal development. I, I need you to hear me say that. You are responsible. If you abdicate your responsibility for your own growth to only get what a preacher gives you, you can only live at that level. Amen. Amen. There may be a level you want to live at that's greater than that. And so if that's the case, you have to dig into the word of God for yourself. God, you know, we're not in the time frame anymore, uh, like in the Old Testament, where people had to make sacrifices for their sins. And then one person went behind the veil to pray and get things right. The Bible says that when Jesus died, the veil was rent in two. In other words, that means that you can get a word from God just like we can. That means that you can lay hands on the sick and watch them receive their health just like we can. That means that you have the ability to speak a word to somebody and change their life just like we do. That it is not, it, it is not reserved for the pastor. Amen. It's not reserved for those in the fivefold ministry. That literally the power of a church, the power of a strong church is that every single member operates in the same authority as everybody else because God gave us all the same power. Amen. The Bible didn't say that he got up and that he went, to the, he went to the pits of hell and snatched the keys from the devil and came back and gave them to the preacher. He says he gave them all power. He gave it to all of them. So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. you are... Much more, much more powerful, powerful than you think. Amen. 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 You are much more powerful than you think. And that is the reason the Bible says if one can run a thousand, then two can run ten thousand. Because you are much more powerful than you think. And so the Bible says that Pastor Sean and I's desire is the same as the Apostle Paul's, is that we pray for you and we pray that you will grow into this wisdom and all spiritual understanding. And then verse 10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So when we talk to people about behaviors, we don't ever really talk to you about from behavior. You're not going to hear us get up and preach a message on sin. OK, yes, there is sin in the world. OK, but we're not going to categorize sin because all sin is sin. What we will tell you is that there are behaviors that if you participate in have negative consequences. Amen. 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 And there are behaviors that if you participate in have uh, positive consequences. I was talking about one of my classmates. I'm 43 years old. He was 42, but he has a wife and three kids and he passed away from a heart attack. Now, he didn't pass away from a heart attack because he had genetic defects. He was about 5'10 and close to 400 pounds. Those are behaviors that he could have corrected. Now, see, people get all the... Look, it's, I'm serious. There are behaviors that if you change, they have a different impact on your life. And so, and so, you know, you can talk about the sin of gluttony and all these other things, but the reality of it is, is you don't have to even do that. You can just say there are certain behaviors that if you participate in, they're going to give you these kind of results. You know, and people, and, and I know that, you know, people ingest different things into their body. Lord knows I'm not a, I'm not a healthy eater. But he, he, here's what always amazes me, though, is people will do bad behaviors and then say, well, I prayed over it. Now, how does that work? Well, I'm, I'm going to put my hand on a hot stove and burn it, but I'm going to pray over it. Nobody would do that. And so you can't just make bad behaviors and then think because you pray that those consequences go away. I, I'll tell you what I mean. Try writing some hot checks. And then talk about, well, I'm going to pray over it. 
They're going to come get you. They're going to come find you. They're going to arrest you. And they're going to put you in jail because it is illegal to write hot checks. So you can't do bad behavior and then think you're just going to pray about it and it's going to fix it. Amen? And so, and so I, wh huh? Wait, now you can, he'll be with you in jail. You can have a jail ministry and all those things. But the, rea <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that you can learn from the word of God what things you should and shouldn't do. And then you can participate in those behaviors and get the right results. Amen? And so it's really important that you understand that. And so then we started talking on last week about what our three guiding principles are. Anybody remember what one of them is? Our guiding principles. One of them? Honor God. Honor God is one. We said we want to honor God. We want to build people. Very good. We want to build people. And the third thing is we want to connect communities. Amen. Y'all really good this morning. All right. So those are our three guiding principles. Why is that important? Because they are going to guide our core values. And then our core values are going to guide our behaviors. So if you come to a place, it's like, it's, like a, it's like working for an organization, but you don't really know the culture of the organization. You know, let's say you, get a, let's say you worked at a company that was really formal, you know, shirt, tie, jacket every single day. Then you go work for a company, uh, and, and, and they're real, like, you know, I mean, they're not even business casual. They just whatever you want to wear. Okay, well, if you don't know that, you'll still be wearing your shirts and ties looking really nice in a place. And they're like, why are they, why are they dressed like that every day? Because you didn't take the time to get to understand the culture or to get to understand the core values or the guiding principles of that organization. Doesn't mean that you're wrong. It just means you're not fitting. And so we want to make sure that if you come to church here that you understand what we, what we go by because we want you to fit. Okay, what do I mean by that? When I say we want to honor God, that means that we don't see people who come in and we happen to know their business and we tell other people about it. You don't honor God by gossiping. And so if, and so if you gossip here, you won't fit. Because the, because, because the culture is going to be that, hey, we don't gossip. Now, you may find a few other people who don't fit, but ultimately the environment is going to push you out because we don't gossip here. Hey, say amen, somebody. Y'all like, I don't know who he's talking to. I gossip. <laughs> Y'all should say, when I say we don't gossip, right. you should say amen, because amen means it is so. We don't gossip here. Amen. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. So our three guiding principles, we want to honor God in everything that we do. We want to build people up. Our job is not to tear people down. You know, there are so many people who have been hurt by church. There are so many people who get, especially Gen X and Gen Y, they, 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 in so many ways, they are so done with church because they're like, look, I've sat in church. I've seen my mom and my dad and my uncles. I've seen other people. They all talk about each other, and they go home, and they talk about each other, and then we come to church, and we love them. I don't want nothing to do with that. That's not what we want to set up for our kids, amen? amen. And so we want to be a people who honors God, and we want to build people up. If, if you have an opportunity to zing somebody, don't take it. Don't take it. Don't, I, know you, I know they left themselves wide open. I know you could have got them. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Look, look, they said something, and it, it's the, it's the, they, 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 tossed the, they tossed you a pitch underhand. I mean, you ready to knock it out the park. You about to get it. I know, I know. Just don't swing. Don't, don't, just, just let it go. Just take the ball. Just, just let it go by. Because if you do, what you'll find out is that it'll come back around. And, and when you could have injured that person, you didn't take the opportunity. And the Lord will deal with them. And the Lord will end up bringing them back to you. 
But, but, but if you swing on them and you knock it out the park, you ruin that relationship. And what you've done is you've ruined a relationship that literally God could have used to create something great in the kingdom. Amen. And so we want to make sure we honor God, build people. And then last, we want to connect communities. We talked about reaching out to people who, uh, praise God, aren't in our circles. Amen. Uh, that means that I have to be willing uh, to, to hear the voice of God. And if God tells me to talk to somebody who I might not usually talk to, I got to be willing to do it because I realize that what God's trying to do is God's trying to connect. And, and, and God's going to need a bridge builder, and that's my role. I'm going to be the bridge builder that God is going to use to help connect other people to him. Amen? And so we want to honor God, we want to build people, and connect communities. And we said when we do that, that's where we get our core values from. Last week I talked about reaching and how important it was for you and I to be people who reach out to other people. That we can't get saved and delivered and go, whew, I made it. And like, whew, rest y'all better get y'all when you can. That, that's not the kind of people we want to be. We want to be the kind of people who says, you know what? If I made it, now my job is to reach back and help somebody else. If I've been delivered from something, I'm now not going to look back and turn my nose up at those who hadn't been delivered. Take your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. All, of all of us have been, have been delivered, delivered from something. From something. That's right. You've been delivered from something. You didn't show up like you did. You weren't always like you are today. You ain't show up perfect and, 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 and all done up. And, and you had some junk and some mess and some mud in your life. Some stuff you wasn't proud of. Some stuff that you wouldn't want us to put up on a screen. Some stuff you wouldn't want your mom and daddy to find out about. Some stuff you've done that you hope to God, even right now, folk don't find out about. Mm -hmm. You got some of that. And so what you don't want to do is then get delivered and now all of a sudden act so high and mighty like you can't believe she would do that. Or you can't believe he said that. You used to say it not too long ago. And so we want to make sure that we are people who we don't care what someone else has done. We know that no matter what our situation is, if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have got delivered. Yes. So well, I ain't never been addicted to drugs. No, but you've been addicted to spending all your money and had to beg somebody to pay your rent. So that ain't no different than somebody being addicted to drugs. You know, well, 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 I ain't never been in no abusive relationship. No, but you tore up everyone you had. See, you, you can't, you can't, you can't tell. You can, it got quiet up in here. You can't tear up. You, you can't look at somebody's life and tear it down because yours wasn't like that. Because other people could look at your life and tear it down because theirs wasn't like that. And so that's not, who the, that's not who we want to be. That's not the kind of people we want to be. We want to make sure that we are a people who understands that when God, when God reaches us, our job is to reach others. And so our four core values was we said we want to be a church who reaches out. We want to be a church who serves. We want to be a church who gives. And we want to be a church who grows. And that growing part is our personal development. We're going to deal with that one on next week. So today I just want to talk, and really it's just for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about the power of serving, because serving is so important. Now, why is serving important? Because service sets you up for greatness. See, now most people don't even believe this, but I'm telling you, say that, say service will set you up for greatness. The Bible says this, write this down, Mark 10, 43, and I want you to keep this, and I don't want you to forget this. And it's not just about church, this is even every organization you're in. This is uh, your job. This is in your home. Husbands, this goes to you as you relate to your wives. The Bible says whoever wants to be great must first become a servant. 
Whoever wants to be great, you want to be, you want to be the boss of the relationship, learn how to serve. You want to be top dog in something, learn how to serve. The Bible says whoever, and this comes from Jesus' mouth, he says whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Understand, the world defines greatness in terms of power, possessions, prestige, and position. When the world starts to look at who's powerful and who's great, they never talk about the people who, who, who are serving. Now, now we, we hear about Mother Teresa, but you only usually hear that. When people, even when people talk about Mother Teresa, they, their voice goes down a little lower. It's like, oh, you know Mother Teresa. But it, but it should be, but, but you hear people talk about Bill Gates. They're like, oh, man, Bill Gates? Well, it should really be the other way. And here's what I mean. Serving is the thing that is most important to God. It's the reason why he said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the... What did Christ do for the church? He served the church. The church didn't die for Christ. Christ died for the... He served it. So, so he says, okay, if you're going to be, and this is the reason, and I get hard on men sometimes because men go, well, you know, I'm the head of the family. My wife should listen to me. She should if you serve. Now, the women, now, don't nobody say nothing. The married women ought to say amen. Why? Because the Bible is very clear that if you're going to be the leader, you have to be the best servant. And if you can't serve, you're not qualified to lead. That's what the word says. If you can't serve, you're not qualified to lead. So when people come to me and they say, oh, pastor, I'm calling to ministry. I say, good, we got chairs we need to move. Good, we got some bathrooms need to be cleaned. Good, we got some kids we need to work with. Oh, no, 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 I, I mean, I'm called to preach. No, 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 if you're not called to serve first, <laughs> you're not called to anything else. Because if you want to be great, the Bible says that you got to serve. If you can demand service from others, uh, in many cases, people think that you have arrived in our culture. If you are a person who can command for people to wait on you hand and foot, they're like, oh, you got it made. But in reality, this me first culture is counterintuitive to what Jesus himself did. Now, think about this. If anybody could have had servants, it could have been Jesus. If anybody was worthy of having someone to serve him, it could have been Jesus. But every time you look at Jesus's life, you, you see Jesus taking a position of a servant. And in fact, the Bible says it like this. The Bible says that he could have claimed himself to be equal with God, but he didn't claim himself to be equal to God. Instead, he took on the form of a human being becoming subject to God. In other words, he said it was, so, it was so important for the work to get you and you and you back to God that Jesus says, I'll be a servant to do it. Amen. That's good. How important is it to you to connect somebody else to the kingdom that you're willing to serve to do it? Because that's the real question. The real question ain't about who gets to sit up front. You know, and I'm not, I'm not bashing on any mega ministry. I love them all. But, but, but it, it, doesn't any, it doesn't do any good for there to be 50 people serving two people. You got 50 people and they, they serving just, I don't, listen, I don't care how big we get, I don't need 50 people serving me. I, I just don't. I need those 50 people serving other people. 
Because what happens is we get into this me culture and we want everybody to serve us. We want everybody to do something for us. And, and, we even, and you got to be honest. We have a mindset that even says, well, what have you done for me lately? The question ought to be, what have you done for someone else? It was the same, it was this, it was the same issue that they had when the disciples were fussing. Uh, and, they, and they got to fussing and fighting about who was going to be great when Jesus left. And what did Jesus say to them? He said, look, you guys are fussing about who's going to be great. He said, I can tell you right now who's going to be the greatest, the one who's willing to serve the most. And you, you read the next scripture, and all the conversation stopped. Isn't that amazing? All the conversation, Because if I got to serve to be great, well, now I'll let somebody else do that. And so we got to make sure that we don't live. We don't want to build a church where people's identity is caught up into, I'm coming to church to get a word for my life. I hear people say that all the time. Oh, I go to church, I want to get a word for my life. Well, you know, it's not just about you getting a word for your life. It ought to be that you come to church so you can get a word to improve your life so that you can be a better impact to other people. And, and if I don't say that, if I don't say that, then, then, then you come to church and you feel like, oh, I got a word for me. And then you go and you live your whole life and all you're thinking about is yourself, 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 yourself. And that is not what the kingdom is about. And it may not be a feel-good message, but it's one that we need, to we need to really grab hold of because, yes, God wants your life to get better. But why does God want your life to get better? He wants your life to get better because he understands if it does, you can be an impact in somebody else. You can't just get half the story. It can't just be, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my life better. No, I'm going to get my life better so that I can be an impact to somebody else. And so if we understand that, then that, that, that core value that we have about serving doesn't become burdensome to you. See, serving is burdensome to some people. You know, you, you tell people, we're going to come and we're going to start serving at 10 o'clock. You know, and folks show up at 1045. Well, why? Because they don't want to be there to have to serve the whole time. But serving ought to be something that gives you joy. It ought to give you joy. When you can do something, and, and, and sometimes it just takes training. You have to retrain yourself. But if we can teach a church body that it is a good thing to serve other people, you, we, we won't have room for everybody to come. We will have room. I, you know, I never understood, and I've talked to pastors and, and different things before, and, and, and you talk to them about their, their benevolence fund, and we've talked about this. And they got $150,000 in their benevolence fund. But every time somebody needs something, they say they can't give it. Well, what's your benevolence fund for? I mean, really, I mean, isn't benevolence to help other people? But, but what happens is, is people get into the mindset of, oh, we're just going to build this fund up. Listen, if you're just going to build the fund up and not help anybody, you don't need the fund. So, so we want to make sure that we are a place that says, hey, we want to help people. And it's important for us to help. And so we need everybody participating. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so it's really important. Jesus measured greatness in terms of service, not status. God determines your greatness by how many people you serve, not how many people serve you. So when you begin to think about your impact in the kingdom, it's not about your status, it's about how many people you're serving. you got to understand that the disciples argued who deserved the most prominent position over 2,000 years ago. And even in churches today, people are still doing the exact same thing. They are arguing about position. You, 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 and, not just, and not just in the pulpit, people get upset uh, if they don't get to sing their song. Folk get upset if they don't get to serve on the day they want to serve. You know, you, you, on the, uh, you, you work with the greeters and ushers, but you don't want to serve with this person. Now, come, now, what says that? Your job is to greet people and make people feel warm. It ain't got nothing to do with who you're serving with. 
And so it's extremely important that we understand and we get this in us that God calls us to serve, and serving is not a job. It is an opportunity. Serving is not a job. It's an opportunity. And when people ask you to serve, you got to see it as an opportunity. Now, am I saying that folks are supposed to wear you out? Absolutely not. But that's the reason everybody has to participate. Because we've been there before. Well, you had 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. You wear them out like that. I've been part of organizations before. Well, you got 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And what you find out is that no matter how good the intentions, over time, you will wear people out. Amen? And that's why, that's why uh, programs and different things can't be sustained. They start off good, and people want to help, but then people get tired of serving. Well, if you get tired of serving, who's going to do the work? And so we got to make sure that we are people who don't mind serving. Does that mean I have to do everything, Pastor? No, but you got to do something. Amen. 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 Now, one of the things that uh, the scripture talks about is in Matthew chapter 20. And so I want to look at this. We just got two, two or three scriptures we're going to look at. Matthew chapter 20, just write it down, verse 25 through 28. Say this, say, it is, it is a, pleasure a pleasure for me, for me to, serve. to serve. Amen. Amen. I heard somebody say one time, they said, you got to fake it till you make it sometimes. Well, somebody, you, you have to act like you like to serve until you get to the place where your heart really likes to serve. Amen? The Bible says in Matthew 20, 25 through 28, and I'm going to read this out of the voice translation. You read it out of any translation you have, and we'll end up in the same place. It says, so Jesus called the disciples together. So Jesus is there. He's talking to his disciples. He says, do you want the kingdom run like the Romans run their kingdom? He said, their rulers have great power over the people. He says, but God the Father doesn't play like the Romans rule. It says, this is the kingdom's logic. Now, here it is. Here is kingdom logic. We're in the kingdom of God. Here is the logic that operates in the kingdom. He said, whoever wants to become great must first make himself a servant. And whoever wants to be first must bind himself as a servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as the ransom for many. Now, notice what he says. He says, Jesus did not come so that we could all serve Jesus. We serve Jesus now because he first served us. The Bible says that while you were yet in your sins, and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, there was a time you were deep in sin. And the Bible says that while you were in your sin, Jesus was reconciling you to himself. That he was working on your behalf, pulling you into the kingdom. He said he was working, he was serving. Even though he was God, he took the form of a servant in order to get you back in right standing. He says that's what he did for you. He says so then the logic of the kingdom is that anybody who wants to be great because Jesus was great, you got to do what he did, which is to serve somebody else. He says you got to bind yourself to somebody, almost like a slave. Here's what he says. He says Jesus loved us so much that he literally became a slave for us. He was the one who was willing to take the beating for what we had done. He, I read a story one time, and it said it was a story entitled Jesus, Our Whipping Boy. And it talked about how all of these things that you and I should receive punishment for, how Jesus took the punishment for that, that he literally became our whipping boy. 
and that everything you would ever do in your life, he took a strike for that. And he, and he didn't do it because he had to, because he was God. He did it because he wanted to get you and I back in the right place. And so the Bible says all he asks in return is that you become great. And the way that you become great is by being willing to serve. He says, so if you want to operate in this defined logic of the kingdom, he says, and you got to understand that service is necessary. Amen. So how do I serve, Pastor? How do I get to be like Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. You can just write it down. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. This is how I become a great servant in the kingdom. The Bible says in, in, in Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He says, so if you're going to be great in the kingdom, if you're going to be willing to serve like Jesus served, the first thing you got to do is you got to get your mind like Jesus' mind was. So number one, you got to do this. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor people, people are important. Are important. Wow. Wow. That, that's, that's number one. Jesus saw every person as important. He saw every person. He didn't care if they was black, they was white, Hispanic. He didn't care whether they was young, old. See, and, and people get up in church and they want to talk about gays and they want to talk about all this other kind of stuff. God saw everybody as important. Amen. God loved gays as much as he loved fornicators. He doesn't disregard any of us. He like, he like those who gossip as much as he like those who steal. God doesn't look at our behaviors to determine whether he loves us or not. So, so watch this. If God doesn't look at our behaviors to tell whether he can love or not, then you ought not be looking at folks to tell whether or not you can love them or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, and what happens is, is that goes counterintuitive to what people think the church's job is. People think the job is, and excuse me, they think the job is to beat the heck out of people and try to force them into something else. But God doesn't say that beating the heck out of people turns them. He said it is the love of God that draws men to repentance. He says, literally, you can love the hell out of somebody. That whatever's on the inside of them that is so dysfunctional, you don't have to beat them up. You can love them so good that they will vomit all of that stuff out of their life. Now, the issue is it takes time. It takes patience. You know, like people did with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, like people did with you when people couldn't stand you. When, when people couldn't tolerate you, when they saw you coming, it was like, Ooh. but they wanted to love on you. So even when you came around and their skin began to crawl, they stayed there with you and they loved on you. And you got rid of all of that silliness. You got rid of all that fakeness. You got rid of all that vile stuff. And then when they saw you coming, they didn't mind seeing you come so much. And then you stayed there and they kept loving on you and loving on you and loving on you. And before you know it, all of those things that used to irritate them so bad, you got rid of all of that stuff. Because it was only there because you was using it to protect you in the first place. That's why people do what they do. People aren't mean just to be mean. They're mean because it's been used to protect them for so long. That's, listen, people aren't just born mean. People have things that happen in their life. They have things that are said to them. And the body is designed to protect itself. 
And so people use different ways to do it based on their genome and based on genetics. But at the end of the day, it's all for the same reason, because I don't want you to hurt me. So I appear tough or I appear indifferent, or I appear some kind of way, because if I do that, then you'll think that what you do doesn't bother me. But what you don't know is that I go home and I cry, or I contemplate blowing my brains out. And that's the reason you can't do that to people. You can't do that to people because you don't know what facade they're putting up. You have to just love on them. And I don't care what their, uh, what, what, what their abnormal behavior may be. You know, you, you got to love on people. You got you to gotta love on them. You got you to accept them for who they are. And you got to know that if God can change you and your mess, he can change them too. He can change them too. He can. God ain't, God ain't never met a problem that's caught him by surprise. Amen? And so the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's how he thought of it. It says, who being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took up on him the form of a servant. And he was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8 says, in being found in fashion as a man, watch what he did. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. In other words, he says, if you're going to be great in the kingdom, here's how it works. I don't care what your title is on your job. You might be a VP. You might be a senior this or director that. You might be that. But when you come to church, if you see paper, pick it up. If you see a kid who needs, who needs to have a kind word spoken to him, speak to him. If there's something that needs to be done, don't think that it's, a, it's beneath you to do it. You become a servant. You become a person who don't mind doing something. They used to, the guys in our church used to always ask me all the time, and I really could never explain it. They would say, Pastor, we'll move the chairs. Why are you helping? And here's the thing. It's not that I don't trust them to do it. They can do it. I don't ever want to be a person who thinks anything is above me. I can move a chair. Because watch this. If, now it's, it's different than people saying, okay, I'm going to do this. You're going to do something else. Okay, that's great. But, but the expectation shouldn't always be, I'm going to let somebody else handle it. That's a lazy man perspective. That's a person who is self-centered on themselves that you will always let somebody else do what you could do. Amen? And so I, I say that because I want you to understand, I don't care what your title is on your job. When you come here, we all equal. Amen? Amen. And if that's difficult for you, this probably wouldn't be a place that you like. And so that's why we spend time talking about the vision. So when you roll up here with your CEO title, we like, hey, can you get that chair? <laughs> hey, Mr. CEO, can you grab that chair right there? Can you put that chair back there? We appreciate that, Mr. CEO. Why? Because here we're all on a journey what? Together. Amen. Amen. And then lastly, let's look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 1 through 5. It's our last one. Close on my Bible. Because I'm talking about serving. And serving is serving's a heart matter. You can teach on service. You, there's, there's leadership books about being servant leaders. Uh, there are training classes people send you through uh, about learning how to be a servant leader. But at the end of the day, service comes from your heart. It's about what you think is, is it's about what you think about you. 
And if, and if you think that you're too good for something, you'll never do anything other. You'll, you'll never do anything but what you think is, is on your level. And, and so if, if you don't think it's on your level to deal with homeless people, you won't deal with homeless people. If you don't think it's on your level uh, to deal with people who, who, who have a different orientation than you, you won't deal with those people. If you don't think it's, it's on your level uh, to deal with, with, with people who got issues that, that you don't have or you never struggle with, listen, just because you never struggle with it don't mean it's not a real issue. I mean, lots of times people feel like that. People feel like, well, I don't see why they don't just don't quit. Well, we don't see why you don't just stop doing what you was doing. It took you 14 years to get over so it's real easy to look at somebody else's issue and say, I don't know why they're struggling. Well, it's easy for somebody to look at your issue and say, we don't know why you're still struggling. So you got to make sure that you have that compassionate heart. And, and, and that's why the Bible says Jesus humbled himself. Can you imagine? Jesus could have looked at us and like, what is wrong with y'all? You mean to tell me you can't keep 687 little laws? You mean I got to die on the cross because you can't keep the law? Are you serious? But he didn't do that. The Bible says he just humbled himself and said, whatever it takes for me to get them to a place of victory, I'm willing to do it. Man, I want a church that says, whatever it takes to get my neighbor to a place of victory, I'm willing to help him do it. Because if you can do that, I'm telling you, this would be a powerful church. The Bible says, John 13, 1 through 5. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his, four was, that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world and back to the Father, Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. It says, and supper being, being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. It says, Jesus knowing that the father, watch this, had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Verse 4, it says, he rises from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel and he girded himself. Watch what Jesus is doing. His very last act on the earth, watch what it is. After he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherein he was girded. His last act before he went back to the Father was to serve those who had served with him. That's the model. It, it was the last thing he did. The last thing he did was to serve those men who had served with him. Those who had been talked about, who had been cast out, who had been laughed at because he was walking with this, with this rabbi named Jesus, the one who was saying he was the son of God, when everybody knew that was Mary and Joseph's baby. But he, the, the same ones who was laughing at him and everything else, the thing he did before he left was to serve them. And if you go back to what we talked about last week, the first thing he does when he shows back up is he tells them, go ye therefore. So, so you take the model of Jesus. The last thing he does before he leaves earth is he serves. The first thing he does when he comes back after the resurrection, he appears to the disciples in Matthew 28, and he says, go ye therefore. He says to serve or to reach. So two of our core values you can find are built directly on principles that Jesus himself displayed. He wanted them to serve, and he wanted them to reach. And so if you will begin to just think about those things on this week and think about who can you serve on this week. Listen, if you're married, you always got somebody you can serve. Now, I, I talk about that all the time. That is what changed our marriage because I came, I was almost like Jesus. I, I, was, I was the anti-Jesus. I wanted to be served. 
My wife wasn't going for that. And so we had a span there that just wouldn't, that wouldn't, and really both of us, neither one of the turning points in our life is we said to each other, I'm going to outserve you. I'm, I'm, we said to each other, I'm going to learn to outserve you without keeping score. I ain't going to fix your play and be like, ah, one for me. I'm going to get you some water. I got two. Would you better step up? No, no. I'm going to do what I'm going to do for you out of a heart to serve you because it pleases God. Period. Whether you respond to it or not. And that's the thing that people have to get over. Because people say they're not keeping score, but they be keeping that mental score. You ever been to one of those? Now, now watch this. You ever been to one of them basketball games, one of them peewee games, and your kid is playing peewee ball, and they say they don't keep score, but your kid that hit like eight shots, you're like, we winning. <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've been there. Like, y'all can say y'all ain't keeping score if y'all want to. We up 16 to 4. Because in your mind, you doing what? Keeping score. You can't do that when it comes to serving. You can't do that when it comes to serving. When it comes to serving, you got to be able to serve and forget it. The Bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, it's like don't keep score. You serve because it honors God. And when you honor God, the reward is what God will give you, not what man will give unto you. Amen? But if you serve, God is unwilling to let you go without reward. He is, uh, the Bible says that the Lord recompenses those who serve. In other words, that the, the, the Lord repays. It, it, I may serve you, and you may not ever even acknowledge it, but the Bible says that God will repay me. And so I do what I do because it's the right thing to do. And so at this ministry, that's what we want you to do. We want you to do what you do because it's the right thing to do. We want you to honor God. We want you to build people. and We want you to help us connect communities. And the way we do that is through reaching, through serving, through giving, and growing. And if you grab hold to those principles, you will know everything that we stand for. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Thank you for coming out. God bless you. I don't know what other mic is. Y'all enjoy that? It's really important to understand the principles of an organization.